Welcome to the North Texas District Leadership Podcast. This is the podcast from and for those of us serving Jesus in the North Texas District of the Assemblies of God. Hope you're having a great day serving the Lord in whatever capacity and every type of ministry that you may be doing that with. Today, I am here again with Bishop Aaron Blake. Last week, if you remember, we talked about uh, issues of racial reconciliation in the local church. Bishop, I'm glad to have you back again. It's great to be back. You know, it's always getting good to be getting together with you, you know, so yes, sir. whatever we're doing, that's good. It is. It's always a good reason. <laughs> so last week, we started off with the idea of, again, talking about racial reconciliation in the yeah. local church. We ended up spending our time, and I think it was so valuable. You used the term, uh, your breakthrough in race relations. And you, yeah. you talked about, as a high school student, being led to the Lord by a white student. Yeah. And just the difference that you have come to see over the years of the gospel to make among different ethnicities. And so one thing you mentioned towards the end of the episode that we're going to dig down on today, you said that our personal relationships can help inform how we as ministers address these things from a pulpit standpoint, right? right? congregational standpoint. So before we talk about how to get into it as, as pastors from a congregational and pulpit standpoint, give us some perspective. I know this is a big question, just on the cultural moment we're in and what opportunities you see that that presents the church. Well, I tell you, the climate across America today is both challenging and both uh, uh, emotionally a strain for me because of the age I am uh, at 60 plus, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> heavy on the plus, and what I've seen in the past. And really, many of us thought, and I thought, that we were beyond the race issue at the level that we are now. Right. So it's both kind of a pain to hear and see. And then on the other side, uh, as I know God is sovereign, you know, Right. He knows all things and all things because uh, he allows it through his will. I said, wow, for me, what a great opportunity it is for, for me as pastor, as a minister of color, to be able to share the love platform in the midst of what comes out of hate uh, because of a person's skin tone or ethnicity. It is a great opportunity for the church. And, uh, and frankly, I moved from being sad to excited. And um, in the process, you know, God God spoke to me and gave me uh, seven things that I needed to, to do mm. in order to address that. And God said, just picture a relationship like a dinner table. And you had seven people that you wanted to make sure that you had the right relationship with. And I said, okay, God, who, who would I invite? He said, me. The first person he said to invite is me. Invite me to see if you line up with my perspective of race relations. And I said, wow, okay, God, you're sitting at the table. So what would you say to me, God? And then God said, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, I'll love me. And so the challenge that I have now is out loving my neighbor as God loves me. Then I said, who is the second person? And God said, your wife. Start with race relations with your wife. And I was somewhat perplexed about that. But God said, find out and make sure that your your wife and you are aligned with me. And then we moved from my wife to my children. So I called every one of my children. Now, listen, I, I have six biological and I have six engrafted sons. You've got a lot of kids. I got a lot of kids. Yes. <laughs> so I spent a lot of time on, on the phone calling them 
and telling them, first apologizing to them, apologizing to them for me not uh, doing what I needed to do to not prepare them on how to drive while being black. In other words, preparing them for if a law official pulls you over what to do because of your skin tone, to loving that law official based upon God's calling on his life to do what he does. And so I had to call them and kind of go back through a Bible lesson with with them on race relations with my children. So I moved from my children to next God said, then after you finish your children, then go to your church. So I stood up in front of my church and apologized, apologized for not uh, allowing them to lead the way, not in the black movement, not in the civil rights movement, but in the love movement, in the reconciliation movement, according to 2 Corinthians. And so I stood in front of my church. Then I challenged our church that didn't reach beyond that to the community and go to dinner with someone that wasn't their color. Invite someone to dinner at your house that's not your color, not your ethnicity, and just have a courageous conversation and learn. And then beyond that, God said, there's two other seats that I want you to do. I want you to do who you have the most challenge with. And my challenge, to be honest with you, was with law enforcement. You know, and we know that Black Lives Matter was out there and all those things that are out there. And I didn't have a disdain for officers, but I somewhat did not represent them well on my side of the track. So the thing that I I went to the police chief and I said to the police chief, I want you to forgive me. Forgive me for not looking at you for being a servant of God, assigned by God for our protection. And if you enforce the law, it is because God's will, according to scripture, is for you to do that. The last seat was for the orphan, the widow, and the stranger. How that I related to them in the sense of who they are. And I related that to our church. So the seven seats of reconciliation. And God said to me, he said, according to that scripture, is that any man that is in Christ is a new creation. All things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. And then further in that text, it says, and now that we are ambassadors of Christ. And our assignment is to represent heaven while we are visiting on earth. That's right. So if we are heavenly kingdom people, then the earth is just another country that we are representing heaven in. So <laughs> I'm not an African-American only, but I'm a heaven citizen in the earth representing the kingdom of God. I hope you've preached that all over the place, Bishop, because that's great. Well, you you look at it from the perspective you just talked about, and what you did was, if we are all to apply the lesson that you just talked, it's that, okay, every single one of us is going to need to take some initiative here. Yes. And so with that, and today focusing on the pulpit and, and congregational ministry of a pastor in this specific area, let me ask you this question. I, I think I know how you would answer it. I know how I would answer it, but let me say it so we can discuss it. Do you feel, Bishop, like addressing these issues specifically from the pulpit is a distraction from just preaching the gospel? Well, I, I believe it is the gospel. And we know according to Genesis 1 and 26 through 27, it says, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And we know what happened in that story, the sad story of the transgression of the, of the law of God by Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, amen. Adam and Eve is your daddy and mama and my daddy and mama. That's right. <laughs> A few generations back. Yes. 
but we all come from the same from the same people. And when Adam and Eve transgress against the law, the need for uh, for a big brother named Jesus to die on the cross to bring us back into relationship. And that's the reconciliation that God said he brings to the table is that Adam, the first Adam, is the one that transgressed. Sin came to us by that first Adam. But the second Adam, Jesus Christ, that's the other brother. Uh, the father was an Adam sinning in the garden. But the second Adam was a brother who died for us that we may be reconciled back to God and be brothers one to another. Now, what that means is that even though, even though you're white and I'm black, but we all are blood kin by the blood of Jesus. So if we all have the reconciliation back to God through Jesus, then why not, and then we are an ambassadors of Christ, why not us use that same gospel that reconciled us back to God, reconcile us to one another? That's so good. You know, every epistle, everything that's written in the in the New Testament, but every epistle in particular written responding to certain issues within the church, you see that ministry has always tried to respond to the certain need of the moment. And so most definitely our churches need to respond to this particular yes. need of the moment and not shy away from it. One of the things I can imagine uh, some of our pastors perhaps asking, and, and this being something that just could so easily be felt, it's got to be out there. It's, I believe that's important, Bishop, but what am I I supposed to do? <laughs> like, how can I even get the ball rolling in that? Because uh, one of the things that I've appreciated about you that I think I've said before is that with, with you, I feel safe to ask stupid questions. Yes. Or at least I should say to ask a question without fear that if it's stupid, you know, Bishop's going to be upset with me. That's so important because I think sometimes we look at this and we feel like this is handling a grenade. And if we try to touch it, we might say something wrong. And then it's worse than whenever we began. But <laughs> you will say something stupid. And that's the wonderful part about it is that you in proximity and you with someone in evidently there's some kind of relationship for you to even be together. If you qualify your question before you asked it and say, I'm probably going to sound stupid because I don't know. Qualify your question that you might sound stupid. And then when you do sound stupid, then the person you talk to have already understand that you're going to sound stupid. <laughs> right. Now, that sounds stupid for me to even say it that way. No, it's helpful. But 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 here <laughs> here's what that says to the other person. That says to the other person that you value the relationship enough, that you're going to go beyond just a casual relationship, a uh, hello, how you doing, to where let's get down to a courageous conversation. Let's get down to, to where you are vulnerable and they're vulnerable. But let's get down to the elephant that's in the room. And let's talk about it as brothers in Christ. Right. And let me tell you what that does to an African-American. What that says to an African-American is that you're owning with me what we know that's in the, the U.S., in the atmosphere. You're owning it together. And you're owning it with me and you're sharing with me. That's why I believe that when Jesus said that, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, and then this cup, we're going to share the cup. When you share cup with someone, or when you share relational pain with someone from their level, you want to know where they are. What you're saying to them, I value you enough, I care about you enough to where I want to know your mental pain, your emotional pain. Please let me in. And most folks will be so glad that someone of that's not their color is willing to step into into this vulnerability 
right. to say we're brothers. You know, Bishop, what you said right there makes me think of an experience I was, I guess, blessed to have, actually, maybe a year ago. Uh, one of my two or three favorite preachers of all time is Dr. Tony Evans. And so Dr. Tony Evans is, of course, right up the road in uh, Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship here in Dallas. But it's been on my bucket list to hear him preach in person. And so one Saturday evening, we decided we were going to head to Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship that Sunday morning. And so whenever we got there... Parking lots are huge. We got on a shuttle bus to be brought to the sanctuary. And on the way in, unfortunately, I found out that Dr. Tony Evans wasn't there that day. But we we went to church, and so great day of ministry. One of his staff pastors preached and did just an incredible job. But that day of ministry was a bit of a first for me because I've preached in smaller African-American and Hispanic churches before, but I'd never been in a congregational setting that size, which was just so huge. And then myself been such a very small percentage, maybe like 1% of an Anglo ethnicity was represented in that congregation. And so it made me think of my friends of different ethnicities who spend their church lives as a very heavy minority in their church. And so, Bishop, help me here. Whenever an issue of, say, racially charged violence or some other incident occurs that is capturing the attention of our nation all too often right now, what do people of ethnicities represented and people of majority culture in our churches, what do we need to hear from our pastors in that moment to help shepherd us and help us react like Christ in these situations? Well, let me give you an example uh, that happened a few years ago. Uh, Right here in Dallas, Texas, uh, we had five officers murdered by just an angry, mad guy uh, that was African-American. That was a horrible situation. It was a, a situation that was that was just totally wrong. In a, but the sympathy, of course, by everybody went out for those five officers. And what, what I had to process with some of my Anglo brothers is that not only did five men not go home, but seven men didn't go home because the, the march that, that night that caused what happened to happen was over two men that had been killed by, by all white officers. So seven men didn't go home. So what I had to help process, not only with myself, but with my Anglo brothers and everyone, let's pray for seven families and not just for five families. Let's, let's get a balance of feeling on both sides what the outrage could be for someone to murder five officers, but what the outrage could be for someone from of color that saw two men that really, from a historical standpoint, didn't just mean the two men, but it goes all the way back to slavery, lynching, and so forth. So when when we have the dialogue and when we understand that from the pulpit, we have to then not go into side to not go into whose lives matter, but say, let's, let's pray for the families that lost a son, a daughter, or a husband. And we don't have to know the details. All we have to know that there's pain of loss with some child whose daddies didn't come home or some mother whose son didn't come home. So that's how we have to approach it from a caring church perspective. Siding, what siding does for us from the pulpit, it polarizes our people to where we are now looking at beyond the cross 
or before the cross. We always have to look at what we do and how we do it after the resurrection because the resurrection brings us victory over all the sins that Jesus took to the cross. If I was a jewelry maker, I'd probably make a, a, a grave that I wear around my neck because the, the, the grave, the empty grave, is where the victory is. So we have to share this from a victory standpoint, and the empathy has to be from a pain standpoint of those that was left. That's right. I love that. You know, Bishop, one of our district's core values is we love well and reach wide. Yes. That's what we say. We love well and reach wide. We build community. We welcome diversity. We connect the generations. And we're not going to be separated by the things that separate the world. That just mo- it seems like the most foundational prayer that any of us pastoring churches can pray. Lord, we want to reflect the diversity of the community right around us. Yes. And the thing about it is, is that we do very well with missions work overseas. and um, But sometimes, no matter whether you're African-American church or Anglo, whatever, we have a hard time going over the tracks. Overseas, we do well. Over the tracks, we struggle. But here, here, here is what I'm seeing. Here is what I'm hearing from pastors in our district. They're saying to me, we want to we don't know how. And I love hearing that, you know, and the reason why I love hearing that is because maybe like the Pie Piper, you know, I can then kind of just play a little flute and then we can just pipe right on into communities that, that maybe they have a heart to serve and just don't know how to do it and don't know if they would offend if they did do it. Let's do it together. And that's what I believe God is, is doing with many of our churches in the district. But I don't, I don't know if you have the capacity to help everybody who might write an email. Can you help me? What would What kind of advice should we give? Well, what what I would say to any pastor and any staff is uh, learn how and learn what and get past the fear first. And 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 the fear is not of people uh, of those people. The fear is is of ourselves. What we're going to mess up and how we're going to mess up. And there's a couple of things that we do in some training. One is called uh, it's a cope training, and it's a training that trains folks how to interact in communities of color, in communities of concentrated poverty. How do you respond? How do you go in? How do you understand it? And sometimes the understanding through a simulation can help you to to do that ministry is understanding first. And once you get past understanding and get past the, the fear of you messing it up and then build relationship with one person in a community Take a pastor, uh, Hispanic, African-American, Chinese, whatever. Take them to lunch. It's amazing what can happen over lunch and what you can learn for just a a lunch outing. Here's what happened to me. One time I was talking to to an an Anglo brother, and he said to me, uh, and, and we began to have a deep relationship about race, and he said to me, you know, I don't have a single African American, uh, friend in my phone that I have a, sp- a phone number for, not one. And he said, I've never had an a- African-American in my house sitting at my table. And, uh, and he, he tried to apologize to me. And I said, Hey, you don't, you don't have to apologize. And he said, I don't. I said, no, cause I'm going to give you my phone number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he laughed and we, and it broke the air and, and I gave him my phone number and we started having lunch at least two or three times a month. So it just takes one time where someone said, Hey, I'm just going to call. Uh, whoever that you may know 
even casually up and say, hey, let's go to lunch. And do you mind me asking a few questions? Because I really want to be able to do more in ministry than I'm doing and even in relationships than I'm doing. Well, friends, I think that's a lot of valuable stuff. Thank you for being with Bishop and I on this podcast. We're grateful for you and just want to encourage you. This is the heart of God. And so if we pray, uh, he is going to help us with it. And let's take these practical things Bishop mentioned and put them to work. And let's love well and reach wide and ask the Lord to help our local assembly be a reflection of the community that we're in.